Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ah, hello. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Dangerous Dinners Podcast. I am your host, the hostess with the most S, as always, uh, Tom Green. How are you? You all right? Uh, welcome to episode nine, episode nine already. It feels like we've been doing this forever now, but I mean, we're, ba- we're barely even started compared to some podcasts who have been going forever. We're in episode nine and we're coming to you from a uh, special location right now. Normally, I record this bit in my um, spare bedroom. I don't know if you can hear. It's quite echo. Echo! It's a bit echoey in this room um, because we are recording this right now in the Lake District in Cartmel. Uh, Cartmel, famous for race courses and being the home of the sticky toffee pudding, I suppose, is what people know Cartmel for. Well, we're there because tonight, in about mm, two hours' time, we are recording a very special episode of the podcast in person with a guest which is going to be filmed you'll be able to see it visually um, and it'll be out there in a few weeks time i'm really really excited about the guest that we're going to be meeting um tonight you won't there's not today's episode it'll be out in a few weeks it's a real special one actually very different to what we've done in the past so that'll be in a few weeks but that's why i'm in cartmel and in the lake district right now how are you how is everything in your life are you busy are you good are you enjoying the podcast as always, if you want to uh, tweet us or something like that, you can you can get us down because we're on Twitter. Um, yeah, I did this the other day, right? So if you go to Twitter, we are at... Let me find it. Uh, here. Is this it? I think this is it, yeah. We are It's The DD Podcast for Dangerous Dinners. It's The DD Podcast. That's us on Twitter. We're also on Facebook, The Dangerous Dinners Podcast. We're also on Instagram, The Dangerous Dinners Podcast. It's all there. We're on the socials, guys. Yeah, we're a forward-looking podcast. You can follow us. We put loads of like, little clips on there. Uh, basically, everything you need to know about the podcast is online. As always, if you like this series, please give us a five-star rating, a review. Make sure you are double-tapped for subscribe. Today... It is a bit of a different episode for us. Uh, we've not got a music star. Oh, no, we've not got a famous comedian, no. But we've got a famous YouTube golfer. Hey, I'm excited about this um, because I'm a big golf fan, man. I'm a real big golf fan. So to have a, uh, a special golfer on the podcast, I'm really excited. He's called Peter Finch. He's arguably one of the world's biggest YouTube golfers. He has, like, millions of of views online he's a professional he teaches people he's just amazing and not only that he's from preston um so ladies and gentlemen a true influencer i suppose 
on the podcast tonight. We are joined by YouTube golf sensation. It's Peter Fitch. The Dangerous Dinners Podcast with your host, Tom Green. One celebrity guest, one spin of the roulette wheel, and a tour of the best and worst takeaways, which are delivering to us tonight. What will it land on? We let fate decide. Up for grabs today, we have the poorly reviewed Kansas Fried Chicken, everybody's favorite, Lahore Karahi, and if it all goes wrong, Pizza Palace. But before we do that, it's time to meet our celebrity guest. They're famous, they're funny, and they just arrived downstairs. It's time to bring them up. Please welcome. It's Pizza Fitch. Oh, it's at the start of it. We're on. Oh, right. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were giving me a pre-warning, pre-warning about what was to come. No, this is it. We're live. Welcome to the podcast, Peter Finch. Oh, well, thanks. Well, that's a very professional uh, <laughs> beginning, isn't it? Well, so they're going to go downhill from here, I suppose. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> it's an absolute pleasure. I feel like we've stumbled into the podcast this evening. I mean, I've literally spent the last 12 months stumbling from, uh, well, I was going to say from place to place, but it's from room to room in my house. Uh, So I'm used to it. I was going to say, where do we find you right now? Is this in your actual home? Yeah, I've I've kind of commandeered the missus's office for for an hour or two or however long this is going to take. So I've kicked her out. She's she's gone for a walk, actually. It's quite a nice evening. Oh, it's just you. Oh, it's just me, yeah, just me in my house. So when the uh, takeaway actually arrives, I'm going to have to like sprint downstairs and get it. Oh, fantastic. And how are you, Peter? How's life? You know what? Life, all things considered, yeah, is is pretty damn good at the moment. I can't uh, I can't complain at all, really, apart from the fact I need to plug my laptop in, and that is now done as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's been great, mate. Um, it's one of those things, the last year has obviously been kind of tough for a lot of reasons, but golf... You know, my main area of interest has actually kind of rather weirdly done well out of the pandemic. So I um, I can't complain at all. And I want to be honest at this point in the podcast is we've had a lot of really good people on. We've had you Tom Grennans and your LRS and your Tom Walkers. But, <laughs> but now you got me. <laughs> but no, this is the thing. You're, this is the most nervous I have been because, and this isn't really a question, but I am just a self-confessed golf fanatic and geek, and I'm just quite a big fan of yours. And I guess this isn't a question other to say this is very exciting for me. All right, that's that's really, really nice to hear. It's actually nice to hear, like, whenever I speak to or meet, you know, a young, enthusiastic professional like you also, uh, <laughs> actually liking and really enjoying golf it's great you know it's it's good for the future of the sport so it's uh yeah i'm excited to be here excited to be talking excited for food just generally excited and it feels like there is no better time to be in golf right now because it is through lockdown and with things easing it feels like it's in a bit of an amazing spot as more people take up the sport right and that's the thing is it's weirdly benefit because it was the first sport that people could play at the end of last lockdown um, so as soon as people could do that, you know, people who would be playing football or cricket or, you know, name any other sport, really, they started to transfer into golf because it was the only thing they could do. And for so many golf clubs up and down the country, they saw record numbers of members joining. And the challenge for them now is how to retain them when the other sports actually start to come back. But I think a lot of people have become used to actually playing golf now. And I know that 
I've tried to be, <laughs> I've tried to book on courses for next week to do some filming, and everywhere it's just rammed, like completely full first week. I can't even, because I've just moved house, I can't even become a member at my local course. They're saying no new members. Oh yeah, like so many, so many places are oversubscribed now. And where are you living, Tom? I live in uh, North London, so I live in a place called Muswell Hill. I want to join nice. Muswell Hill Golf Club, and they've said we won't even consider you until June. I'm like, I can't wait until because I'm going to play. I've uh, this is quite niche golf chat, but I'm I've got a round at Woburn booked nice in about six weeks time and my god i'm not having my first round back after lockdown <laughs> being at one of the uk's premier golf clubs tough as well i bring plenty of balls <laughs> <laughs> the most well uh he golf club it might not be oversubscribed that might just be you like it might, might, yeah. just, be you on pro- might just be putting you on probation till june we <laughs> not, don't sure, want... not, not sure about this guy we don't want your types here tom stay away <laughs> It's. I just think it's very. It's an exciting period to be in golf, and for me, it's an exciting period to be a golf fan because there's more young people taking it up. Have you seen this in the people that view your YouTube videos? Have you seen a bit of a uprise over the last twelve months? Yeah, we've we've always had a you know a decent amount of people watching, but over the last twelve months, the amount of new golfers that we've actually had to watch the channel because a lot of the stuff that I do certainly in the past has been like super golfy you know you had to be a golfer to actually watch it and understand it and over the last year we made an effort to you know make it a lot more inclusive to players who are new to the sport and that's coincided with a lot of new players coming to the sport so you know last year as far as the channel goes we had the most views the most followers the most everything and that's a really positive sign that there's a lot more new golfers coming into the sport and hopefully hopefully we can actually keep them in here as well and you've just moved into a new golf studio right it looks amazing yeah i've always wanted like my own space to film where i can just go whenever i want to and i've got to be honest in the two weeks i've had it finished i have spent (laughs) more time there than i have at home absolutely no doubt yeah it's a really beautiful space if you've not seen it you need to go on peter's instagram but it's all like exposed brick and very high tech yeah i don't know why i've got like a real fetish for like exposed brick i don't know i, I don't know where it's come from um maybe some re- repressed childhood memory sure. um but yeah it's in like an old mill it's brilliant it's got everything i need in there apart from a beer fridge and a hammock like if i get those two things in there i've life's complete your, your other half would never see you i don't think if you had those no and i think she, i think she'd be quite happy about that <laughs> as well so yeah everyone would be happy and now i'm not going to ask figures because i think that's rude unless you want to tell me which you're more than welcome to do but i wanted to put one of your do you know the virtual simulators that you've got i, I forget the name now uh the yeah foresight yeah. performance sim i've got for a while I, I thought it'd be a really cool idea to put one of those in my spare room right and then i googled how much they cost and my god to have one of those is like twenty thousand pounds yeah if you want if you want the top of the range one so i think mine was i think it's 18 god and that but i've got like a pretty good excuse it's for work yeah true <laughs> yeah it's for thomas it's for work i i need it yeah like if you could try and swing that then, then yeah perfect well to start a golf podcast as well then you can, <laughs> you that's what i need up. to do i need to yeah, depo- start a golf podcast and then i can put it through my company it's all tax deductible it's all expenses man. <laughs> do that now i've written an introduction for you would you like to hear it 
<laughs> go on okay hit, hit me with it uh, every guest we get on the podcast i like to write them a big introduction and it's normally a nice little ego boost so this is what it goes like <clears throat> some say he's the best online golfer in the uk but who am i to say He's a social media icon, racking up 380,000 subscribers on YouTube with 84 million views since he started his channel. He's a writer for Golf Monthly. He's a killer with the driver. And most importantly, he's from Preston. It's the legendary <laughs> Peter Finch. Wow, that's... Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. I can't believe you said only the UK in the first bit. To oh, be honest with you. yes! Now I'm actually, I'm actually a little bit disappointed. See, here's the thing: I could like talk myself up. I've not played on a golf course. <laughs> Who knows, eh? <laughs> Who knows? I could be. I could be the best player I've ever known. <laughs> now we're going to get into all the questions about YouTube golf and rivalries and who's better and who can drink more later on in the podcast because I feel that's so niche. <laughs> but I've got all the questions for you. All right. Okay. So, welcome to the Dangerous Dinners podcast, by the way. I've got a giant roulette wheel behind me with some of the best and worst rated takeaways near you tonight. We spin it and we decide what you are having for dinner. Okay, cool. I'm excited. I'm not having a takeaway, actually, you know what? Anything that would be a shocker for you? What's your What's your sort of, this would go badly if it landed on this? I, I like food, Tom, so like anything really that I can shovel into me gob's good, but <laughs> like fish and chips doesn't really do that much for me, okay. so... Maybe not that, like a kebab I try and stay away from unless I'm kind of stumbling over the pavement. Yeah, anything really, mate. Mate, it's free food. Like, you give me anything you want. It's the dream. Is the, is that your go-to after a night out then, like a dirty donna kebab? Yeah, or like a, like a chicken tikka kebab. Oof, <sighs> that'll oof, oof, stop it. How to be fair, it? the last last one I had of those, though, it was like a... It's a oh, it's, it's absolutely, it tasted amazing, but, you know, it's like 10 pints deep, so I think it's going to taste amazing. But I was just eating this chicken tikka kebab and... I looked down at my feet and it was in the winter and like the, the fat from it was dripping and like con- <laughs> congealing on the pavement. And I was like, Ooh, Ooh, Ooh this, this ain't good. Is it? I mean, I carried on eating it. Of course you did. You know, well, of course you yeah, I'm not, not an animal, but I thought, Oof, that's that's not great. <laughs> so tonight, unfortunately, on the wheel is fish and chips, but there are a load of other <laughs> options as well. There's pizza, there's burgers, there's Nando's, there's posh Turkish, there's hot curries, there's fried chicken, there's mezzo, there's kebabs, there's Mackies, and there's chicken wings. Oof, hello. Yeah, any of them. Right then, do you want to count us down for three to one and we'll find out what Peter Finch is having for dinner this evening? Okay, three, two, one. Spin the wheel! Have you actually got a wheel? Yes, of course we do. <laughs> I uh, no one believes there's a bloody wheel, and I spent eighty quid on it from Amazon. <laughs> Flashbacks being into casino. Though. Yeah, here you go. Listen, it's there. Oh wow, I like it. Tonight, Peter Finch, you're having kebabs. Kebabs. <laughs> oh mate. Oh great. Right. right okay. Here we go I'm then. I'm gonna start drinking. Yeah. Have it. Yeah. Because you're drinking tonight. I always appreciate it when my guests have a few beers. I feel like it lightens them up and may mean they'll say whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's probably more than more than likely. Well, I mean, when the email was sent and when you invited me on. I mean, you first of all, you said free food. So yeah. that was a yes. Like, I'd actually said yes before I read any of the other <laughs> rest of the email, to be honest with you. I had no idea what I was letting myself in for. Okay, here we go. Well, I think, Peter, tonight, if you don't mind, you're going to have a doner kebab on a naan. Mm. How does mm-hmm. that sound, my guy? 
That sounds absolutely exceptional. Thank you. <laughs> Make sure there's like, is it? Can you put sources on that? Yeah, man. Let me let me just go into the section. Uh, yeah, what sources would you like? So it's got to be hot sauce, so chili sauce yeah. and garlic mayo, like chili if they've sauce. got it. Um, right. So your food is in the bag. It's ordered. Awesome. Oh. I, cannot, I cannot wait. Right then. So I have got until it turns up, Peter Finch, to dissect your career and find out everything I can and generate the most clickbaity title for social media. Okay, let's go for it. Born in Preston, yeah? <laughs> yes, for as, my eternal shame. As was I. Oh, really? Yep. So oh, this, right. Where advice did you grow up? I grew up in Fullwood, near Fullwood. Oh, you posh boy. <laughs> where are you? Yeah, same. Uh, where, where, whereabouts? I well, I used to. I went to Broughton High School. Oh, are well, you definitely a posh boy? That's like not it. posh. That's the middle of bloody nowhere. Well, if if anybody doesn't know Preston, Broughton is posh <laughs> compared to the rest of it. Where did you grow up? Pretty much where. Oh God, so I, I relate everything by a pub, but I was only a kid, so it's Which probably pub? Not the, the Black Bull. Uh, not a massive. Not a massive. I went to Fullwood High School. Right. Um, is there near Our Ladies High School? I live near there. I know exactly where it is. I know yeah, exactly. yeah. I was really worried about alienating the audience with this podcast about talking too much golf, but now we're talking <laughs> about streets in Preston, so I really feel like we have lost them. Yeah, I mean, listen, if that's what you tuned in for, you know, exciting streets in Preston. This we're is, here. This is the one for you. Yeah. Um, my my always question when I speak to someone from Preston to work out how Preston they are is, do you know what a butter pie is? Of course, God's oh. food. I've not had one for ages. God, I've not had a butter pie in years. If you don't know what a butter pie is, it is a it's a pie and it's filled with potato and melted butter and cheese. It's heaven, really. It is heaven, heaven in pastry. I remember even me as a chubby, beardy northern bloke. I remember when my dad once put it on a um, a sandwich. He had a butterfly sandwich, and I thought, <laughs> I think that's too far. Uh, <laughs> well, hey, one thing you think about when you see a butter pie is just not enough carbs. Yeah. So why not? <laughs> why not stick it on a bap? That'd be more. That'd be more Prestonian if you whacked it on a bap. That'd be the ultimate. How was growing up in the northwest, Peter? How did you find it? Do you look back on those times fondly? Um, not not overly, to be honest. Like, I I I didn't. So I I didn't really enjoy school okay. like that wasn't that wasn't really the environment for me still like my best friends that I met there you know still really good mates with them all but like the actual environment school was crap forward as it was high school at that time was pretty crap yeah and then I just didn't like Preston looking looking back you know what it's more like I was a bit of a snob about it I thought like oh you know. I could do better, you know, that type of attitude, which isn't true. Preston, every time I go back now, I really enjoy it and I love the people there. And it's it's a place that I I remember mostly in the fond memories of now. Mm. But like at the time, I just couldn't, I couldn't wait to get out. I couldn't wait to leave. Go see the world, you know. Yeah, I get that. So being, you didn't enjoy school because you're not a particularly academic person or you didn't make friends easily. What was the reason? In there, I'm not very good in like a classroom environment. Right. So I I learn the best by doing. And in a classroom, you know, it was very much just talked at. My attitude towards that, I couldn't reconcile the two. Well, I, I did all right as far as grades were concerned, but that's it's a pretty big mystery. I'm 99% sure they mixed up my papers with someone else. There's some there's some poor 
like kid off somewhere still confused about why he got Fs for, <laughs> for his GCSEs. It's obviously because the markers messed up. I didn't think in my mind you would be a naughty kid. Were you? Were you a bit of a rebel? Yeah, not not compared to what you what you would see at that high school. No, but <laughs> he wasn't I selling just, heroin on the street. No, nah, no, nah, I just well, not heroin because I was a little bit. You, the sentence for that was way too harsh. Um, but I was like, I, I just didn't apply myself. Would be a teacher speak. Okay. I think I didn't apply myself. I had much more to give, but I just, I didn't want to be in school. I just wanted to get out. I just wanted to work. I wanted to play golf. I wanted to, I just wanted to get out of there. So you left high school, but you were, you were 13 when you got into golf, which in golf terms is actually quite old to take up the sport and get into it. Right. Yeah. I was always, I was always more into my football. I'm sure you're going to say you were 13 when you left school. Now that, that is a Preston sounding story. <laughs> And you and you went down the mill. He um, went down the mine. He he was a dad to seven. <laughs> oh, by the time he was sixteen, before he died of consumption. <laughs> um, I I was always more into my football. Like as a kid, really, golf wasn't an option. I didn't really know too much about it. And then my dad, who had joined a local club, basically got me involved with it. And then, even then, when I started, I was always more into my football. And then it got to the point where I was about sixteen where I really had to make a decision. Either I was going to continue to play football, try and go as far as I could with that, or I was going to carry on my golf and try and get as good as I could at that. I was always 100% committed to actually being in one of those sports, but it got to the point where I just really, I got injured playing football and then I missed not being able to play golf more. Yeah. And and that's when it kind of clicked. I was like, well, you know, it's got to be golf then. What was the rep of golf when you were that age? Because when I, I think, how old are you? I think you're older than me. I am 34 years old. (laughs) Well, I'm, okay. Well, I'm 20 something. So. Perfect. Oh, can can we, can we we redo that? I'm 24 years old. (laughs) When I got into golf at like 14, Golf was quite cool because it was at the peak of Tiger. It was when Tiger Woods had all his games out um, on like the Xbox and stuff. So uh, golf was in quite a good place. Was it not when you got into it? When I started to get into it, that was when Tiger just started to break through. So that, that's when like Tiger Mania really started to, to get into full swing. But, you know, then, and to be honest, I, I imagine now, like golf isn't cool. Like it wasn't, then and it's probably a little bit more so now but like certainly the school i went to there was no one else that played golf there like i was the only one yeah um and i I remember that quite quite vividly really like you know not being able to actually play with anyone i really want to disagree with you and i really want to say that golf is becoming cooler and i really hope that what eric anders lang and people like you and rick are doing is bringing it to a younger audience and making it cooler yeah, and I do see that in many respects, but I think it's still got a long way to go. Like it, it's it's still seen by many people to be a boring old man sport, and yeah. in many cases, like golf clubs and golfers don't do a lot to dissuade that. <laughs> like you go to some golf clubs and you think, yeah, like if I was a kid coming in here, would I feel will would I feel welcome? Would I feel like I wanted to stay? Yeah, probably not. So it's still got a hell of a long way to go. But the social media side of things has helped massively because you can show people a different side of it. You know, it's it's not just jumpers and 
terrible trousers and, you know, five-hour rounds and a red wine after. You know, there's so much more to that, even though that is still wonderful. And there's nothing wrong with a little um, red wine after, right? Or a bowl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I feel we're going down a very dark path here. Yeah, we I, are. Uh, we're, we're... Op- as I open another bit. Yeah, here we go. Um, so you got into golf through your dad, who was your caddy for a little bit. Didn't he caddied for you? So he was the the main person I played with really until the junior section of my golf club did start to grow a little bit. I was always playing with him. To be fair, like my dad has, I think caddied for me once, maybe once or twice, but like we get on really well and like we love playing together, but man, like he is not the caddy for me. <laughs> didn't he, now this may not be true, but I heard this. Didn't you once have a really bad round and he was caddying for you and he said to you, if you ever act like that again, I will never caddy for you again. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. And I'd like, to be honest, I think that might be the last time I actually caddy for me as well. Um, yeah, I think well, I'd started to enter some junior tournaments and, you know, I had pretty high expectations of myself and, you know, my hormone levels may have been slightly out of whack. Mm. And I just hit, I, if you, <laughs> I hit a top shot and I like, buried the ball in the ground and, didn't actually realize it at the time until I stood on it. I was looking around thinking it was a good shot and I just completely lost, like just lost my, <laughs> just like almost like snapped the club. I like, was no. fuming, like imploding, like a star collapsing on itself <laughs> and like just completely head gone for the rest of the day. And my dad was like, that's just, it was embarrassing. Like it was embarrassing to be with you at that point. And yeah, it was. And like, when I look back, I mean, at the time when you're lost in the emotion of it, you don't, it doesn't compute. But now when I'm playing and I'm a lot more chilled now and when I see someone like lose their minds, it's it's a bit tragic. It's funny, but it's also a bit tragic. So ever since that point, I've controlled my temper much better. I think I need to make a confession that I think I am not a very good person to play golf with when I'm playing badly. My God, <laughs> I hate I hate it. Peter, I hate it. I I don't get angry, but I stop talking. And I get yeah, go silent. I, and I'm just inside furious at myself. And I'm like, why am I even here? I hate this stupid sport. It's ridiculous. Like, why does it do this to us? Yeah, well, it's a hard thing to explain because non-golfers, when they when they don't play, when they see that type of reaction, like they don't understand. And it rightly so. Like at the end of the day, you are just hitting a little ball around a field. There's no need to get that angry about it. It's it's just golf. But then, hopefully, people listening to this, if you do start playing, you will understand how frustrating it is oh, to not be able to hit that ball where you want to. And it's such a hard sport, and it just it doesn't relent ever. And it's just it, it is it's punishment in many respects, but. I think most golfers are just pretty kind of sadistic and that's why they keep going back. And I think the thing is about it is you give Ronaldo a football, he'll always be able to hit it in a way that looks impressive, right? But I'm Mm. talking to you a few days after the Players' Championship finished where (laughs) one of the best golfers in the world, Bryce DeChambeau, topped his driver, right? Which is an Mm. awful golf shot. He's a professional. That should not happen to him. And if it happens to him, it's going to happen to me 10 times around. And I can't cope. It's golf, huh? It's a beautiful, terrible game because it's something which you'll never be able to conquer. You know, it is an unconquerable sport. And there's absolutely no guarantee that you're going to play well from one day to the next. There's no guarantee you're going to play well from one hole to the next. Yeah. It's just, it's such a hard sport. And that... 
that's what actually keeps people coming back because you know by the time you finish your round there's always a couple of good shots that you just cling on to like your soul just (laughs) clings onto them desperately to give you a reason to actually go back and play how much do you think about the mental side of golf and the mental game of golf because it's so much in your own head um a lot more now so my my swing and my game now has progressed to a point that i can hit the ball pretty well you know i strike a good you know I'm, I'm i'm comfortable saying that now and then it becomes the the smaller aspects which actually when you start looking into it are absolutely huge and this is for every sport though like the better you get at physical performance the more you start to understand how important the mind is. And that's that's not, not just in golf, that's in any sport. Like the elite performers in any sport, yes, they've got good techniques, but it's the mindset. That's what really separates them. So over like the last the half of last year and certainly moving into this year, like that's a huge focus for me, just trying to get that side of my game better. When you were coming into the amateur game, was there a moment mm. where you went, okay, this is going to be my job? What was that point? When did you go, all right, I'm not going to go and get a normal nine to five. I'm going to try and be a professional golfer. Oh, man. I can think of one like particular hole. It always comes back to me. When, when like, people say, you know, why do you love this sport? And, you know, what, what made you really want to want to do it for a lifetime? And it was me and my dad were on holiday in Scotland on the Isle of Arran. Yes. It's just, just off the West Coast. It's a beautiful place. I don't, I'm not just talking golf here. If you get a chance to go, you've got to go. It's amazing. But... There's a golf course there that runs right along the ocean. And like we played it, it was about seven, eight o'clock in the evening in the summer. Like the sun was starting to go down. And there wasn't a breath of wind. And like the ocean was just absolutely still. It was like a pond. Out in the distance, there was a, a cormorant or some kind of seabird. And it took off. And it was a couple hundred meters away at least. And it took off. And you could hear like the flap of the wings on the water. And it was just that thing where it's just it was warm and it was beautiful and it's like oh my god if I could do this like if I could spend my time here like that'd be an absolute dream and that's what I kind of really work towards you know just trying to put myself in a situation that I can be out playing like completely in a place which is at peace like there's just nothing else going on and it was just like an amazing kind of moment it's one of those vivid memories that just sticks in your mind yeah and you know if i could have more like that going forward then whew, that'd be amazing now i wonder if you have this my my profession i suppose is radio presenter i guess mm-hmm. and i grew up listening to moyles and trying to make this my job and then i made it my job and do i still love radio like i used to probably not because it's now my job and i deconstruct everything and it's taken it away from me do you still love golf? Do you still oh. get that buzz out of it? Or is it your job now? Oh, mate, yeah. Um, <laughs> the thing is, though, so what I did, and I, if you ha- ever have the opportunity and you get the timing right, I do recommend you do this as well. But I did my PJ training, and then once I was in the bag, I left golf for like three years. I didn't know So this. I went, yeah, yeah. So I left golf for three years, and I was a daily uh, newspaper journalist for three years because i was i was pretty i was pretty determined first of all to see if there was anything else out there because i was working at a pro shop at the time i was just doing a bit of coaching i was like this is good but like is this a career like because you can you can join a golf club and you can play and you can still enjoy it 
the, that environment in a pro shop in a golf club, I was like, I'm not sure this is for me. So I left and was a, did my qualifications, became a journalist. And after three years, I realized like how unbelievably lucky that I was <laughs> to be to be able to have a job in golf totally. because mate honestly like doing this like is for me one of the best jobs in the world mm. if not the best job in the world and you know that original love that you had for radio if you left and did something which involved you know incredibly high stress levels and you saw maybe a different side of what you could be doing, like, trust me, you would sprint back to the studio. <laughs> Give me that warm studio and a cup of tea, and I'll you take it in a second. fly back. <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably right, man. I think mm. you're probably bloody right. But it's, just, it's just perspective, just perspective. Now, I don't want to put words in your mouth, right? So I'm going to ask you a question, and that will take me to my follow-up question, okay? Okay. Will you ever play on the European or PGA Tour? No. Okay, great. So, now we've established... Oh, 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 oh the food's the here! I've had a knock at the door. One sec, I'm going to go get it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. All right. Oh, Got it. oh. You've, uh, the food has arrived. It is here, and I have to say... That is a fancy bag. Oh, wow. A fancy kebab's what you've got. That's really fancy. Where's my phone? I want to take a picture. <laughs> oh, dear, look at that. That was bloody glass. How's it look? That is the fanciest, it's the fanciest looking kebab I've ever got. Hold on. Are you out of breath from the stairs? Oh, mate. I've got three flights of stairs in this house. I'm sprinting up. Oh, my God. Inside the bag... There is a box. Yes. I will take a picture of the box. <laughs> but no, I'm not, I'm not pretty taking pictures yet, Tom. Give me a chance. Sorry, sorry. I'll just, step, I'll just step back. You take over. Oh, my God. That looks absolutely filthy. Yes. That looks absolute dirt. <laughs> In, like, a good way. It's on a it's on a naan bread, right? <laughs> Holy shit. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, their spicy sauce is spicy, man. Oh, it got you. Oh, my God. That's just, like, hit straight in the back of my throat. I mean, it is dangerous dinners after all, though, right? This is sort of the point. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Is it good? Right. Oh. Damn, that's good. Right, okay. I'm going to put it back in its box. Um, oh, dear. So it's spicy? 
Mm, yeah, that's good though. Look forward to getting stuck into that. Right. Well, so the question, the question I asked, which I was sort of teeing up another question, was: mm. Will you ever play on the PJ or European tour? No. So, when did that realization hit you, and how do you feel about that? Um, I think. It's a strange one, isn't it? Because, like, it's a football analogy. You know, there is that day when you wake up and you realise, I'm never going to run out at Wembley. Yeah. <laughs> and it is that kind of feeling. I think, for me, it came when I started to play with tour pros and when I started to play with the elite players. And it is, you know, they have just a different level. You know, they are, in every department of the game, just much, much better. But it's not only that. I mean, let's say that I woke up one morning and, you know, Bruce Almighty Styley, you know, God was at the end of the bed and he was like, right, I'm going to turn you into Torpor. Yeah. I don't think that I would actually enjoy the environment of being on tour. Okay. You know, these these guys, like, they travel, you know, 30 weeks of the year, if not more, from place to place. And the very top tier pros... Like, they live an amazing life. Like, it's incredible. The money is off the scale. It's an incredible thing to do. But a lot of people on tour, you know, they're in the bottom third. They're scraping by. They're missing cuts. You know, they're just trying to keep their card for the following year. Yes, they get to play golf for a living. But if they don't get their card, then they don't have a living. Mm. And, like, the pressure of playing that type of golf is a long way away from the, you know, the imagined glamour of what life on tour would actually be like. You know, there's there's a different side of golf that I think a lot of people might not see. And I think, imagine the pressure of playing elite sport and then add on top of that, my God, if you don't make the cut, how are you going to afford the hotel? That must just be a level of pressure that is insane. Oh, unreal. Like... If you're a professional footballer, for example, like, you know, Premier League this year, you know, the players who go down with the relegated teams, they might have some clauses in the contract, but they have a contract. Mm. You know, even if they go down, they're still going to get paid. If you're a pro golfer and you don't make a cut, you don't get paid. It's just, it's as simple as that. Like, you might have some sponsorships, but they cover expenses. Like, they'll, they'll fly you around, they'll get you in the hotels, they won't actually make you any money. Like, I know so many amazing players who have quit the tour and quit golf just because they couldn't actually make money. Crazy. It's, a, it's quite a harsh environment out there when you're playing at that level. But then you've got the flip side. You know, the the megastars of the, the golfing world are so <laughs> minted and live amazing lives. So, you know, the opportunity is there. I'm going to ask you some very niche golf questions, and this is the nichest <laughs> we're going to go. And after this, you know, if you don't like golf, we're still here. We've still got great stories, but this is where we're going to get niche, okay? Niche meal. How important is distance in the game in 2021? The, the most important thing. Wow. Yeah, it's the it's by far the most important part of golf at the moment. Like the, the stats show it. Like the, the winners most weeks are the longest hitters who just put well. You know, for many, for many, many years, it was always presumed that, you know, you had to have a really good short game or you had to be an amazing putter to win. When in fact, if you smash the ball further than everybody else, that gives you a massive statistical advantage. And the stats have shown that. So, so if I was coaching someone now, certainly a young player, it would literally be teaching them to hit the ball as far as possible because that's where the statistical advantages lie. You know, if you can hit the ball a long way, the modern game is so biased towards that advantage 
and it is a skill you know hitting the ball a long way is a skill so if i could teach anyone anything to begin with it is to smash the ball as far as possible and i want to move into a section where i think a lot of people will know you from which is golf youtube Mm -hmm. why and when and how did you decide that this would be the path for you um i moved back up to the north so i went to live down in um shropshire for 10 years uh when i when i moved out of preston <laughs> going back to the start you know i wanted to see the world i wanted to get out and I ended up in telford <laughs> um <laughs> and then and moved then, back to preston and then moved then moved back to well manchester the cosmopolitan delights ah. um and started a driving range where um, Rick Shields, who actually went to college with, he'd started his YouTube channel. He'd been going for about a year, and he was by far the busiest coach. So, what he was doing was doing coaching videos. People were seeing those coaching videos on YouTube and on social, and then coming in for lessons after they'd seen him coach online. So, I thought I'll give that a go and see what happens. And that was like six years ago now, and it worked simple as really yeah it was just a bit of a a bit of a strange thing and until that point i i don't think i'd actually ever been on youtube i didn't really understand what any of it was about so i started putting out these videos onto youtube i didn't know what i was doing really like just started like firing them out there into the abyss <laughs> and hoping someone was watching them and yeah after a while it caught on and started doing some videos with Rick and started doing some other types of content. So not just coaching videos, more playing videos and travel videos. And now it's completely reversed. Like coaching videos is probably, it's certainly in the way that I used to do them. I don't really do them that much anymore. Do you only do YouTube now? Or can, if someone listens to this and they wanted a lesson with you, is that even possible? Or have you sort of packed that in? Um, Coaching at the moment, I don't give one-to-one lessons now. It was a weird one really because... I love coaching. Like, I think I think it's really cool. But the thing is, with that, I can do it until I die. There's no time limit. You know, the more time that I spend within golf, the more I play, the more I make videos, the more I, you know, engage with certainly the top level performers. The more that I learn. So I know that in five, ten years, if I start giving lessons again, I'll be a better coach and with more understanding and more knowledge. And I can do that until, you know, 60s, 70s, it doesn't really matter. But the energy levels that I need at the moment to kind of film, to travel and all the rest of it, that's got to be my focus at the moment. What's the content you're most proud of? Have you got something that you've watched back and you go, you know what? I think that's a great bit. Um, I did a video, it wasn't last year, it was the year before, the PGA Pro, uh, BMW Pro-Am. Yeah. Uh, celebrity Pro, to give it its full name. Uh, which sees amateurs and pros play together at Wentworth. And there's big crowds there. You know, there's about 100,000 people there, I think, on the Pro-Am day that I played in. And the video from that, every time I watch it, it just brings such a massive smile to my face. I mean, I was playing with one of my kind of swing icons, uh, Alex Noren. Played with Vernon Kay and Claire Balding as well. What a group. And yeah, it was class. <laughs> it was absolutely brilliant. And then, you know, playing with those play with those kinds of people in front of those kinds of crowds and being able to film that and call that a job like that is mad like that is absolutely bonkers like to be able to do that so that always stands out for me and how do you go about making your content now do you have a team of people is it just you do you edit it how hands-on are you 
so until last year, I pretty much did everything myself. Wow. And then I kind of thought for oh, 2020, so 2019 was the first year where my channel still grew, but it grew about the same pace as it did the previous year which for me kind of showed a bit of stagnation basically yeah. so i thought that i'd take a bit of the money that i'd earn and actually invest in a brand manager and a videographer um and david and jacob since they came on board they've completely changed the way that we make videos you know putting people in charge of areas where they're experts in is absolutely key absolutely crucial and if there's any recommendations for anyone listening to this who is self-employed and who's making a bit of money but feel that they can grow further like hire in people who Invest. know what they're doing oh my god it's you know you might not make as much money in the short in the long term you know that investment will come back to you you know three fourfold it's if you have that opportunity you've got to do it and since the guys have come in it's it's completely transformed the way that, that I work. I'm not working any less hard. I'm able to put that energy into different avenues I've not been able to do before. You know, I was I was working, probably the best analogy I could use is I was working so hard at the coal face, I couldn't ever take a step back and actually see where the diamonds were. So sure. I was just like churning out the black carbon and not actually seeing the sparkly things. Do you watch your old videos back? Have you watched like... Peter Pitch episode one and what do you think yeah i mean i've actually kept i a few years ago i went through and i deleted a few old videos where the coaching information wasn't actually that good but, <laughs> okay you know it like not so much the presentation but the actual information was a bit crap so you know and that's the thing the more i the more i've coached the more i've done videos the more i've learned and some of the stuff that i was saying just wasn't right so i got rid of that but I think my first ever video is still up there. Yes. And when I, yeah, when I rewatch it, it's horrendous. It's so bad. <laughs> Just like the presentation, the filming, but that's the point. Like, you know, you gotta, you gotta start somewhere and then you've got to graft your ass off and, you know, change with the times. And yeah, I don't, I'll, 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 I won't ever take that video off. That'll always be. Now, this is the question that I've been most excited to ask you. And this is funnily enough, your most Googled question. Right. So when I Google you, it auto fills the question. Okay. And I want to ask it you and I want an honest answer and I want you to tell me the truth because I think this is the question people really want to know. Okay. Peter Finch, mm-hmm. do you and Rick Shields still get on? <laughs> is that really the top one? <laughs> I mean, whether it's me that's just Googled it so many times. <laughs> but it was the top thing. And I think people really want to know because I'm just going to fill everyone in. Peter used to make a lot of videos with a guy called Rick um, and you sort of came up through the YouTube golf world together, in my opinion, and you used to do loads of stuff together and film on the course and all this stuff. And recently, that hasn't happened. And everyone thinks there's been a massive falling out. Is this true? Yeah. I mean, we we both fell in love with the same girl in Paris. It was, uh, <laughs> it was quite a crazy summer that we had. Um <laughs> No, it's, it's and just... that's it. That's the story. It's Peter Finch, that, everybody. It. Thank done, you. Done. Cut. Um, no, it, it was, I think it's just more like, well, certainly, obviously, the last year kind of put put most plans, you know, 
into into free fall anyway but i think just the way that we're filming videos has changed as well so you know we're still mates and we're still we're still making videos together we've got plans to make you know quite a few this year but we used to be in the mold of say we'd go to a golf course we'd film nine holes on my channel for example nine holes on his channel split those into three different parts so that's three different videos and release those on like a monday tuesday wednesday for yeah. example now the way that the algorithm works and youtube works it doesn't reward that type of behavior so it's much more likely to reward two to three videos a week that you actually just put a lot more time and effort into okay so it's completely changed the way that we film videos it's completely changed the way that we look at videos and now i think we understand as well that let's say you know the last video well, i can't remember the last video we put out together maybe kind of september say last year um obviously we've not been able to play together since that point really but we understand that if we do like a video every two months say then that video is generally going to get loads of views right because it's a it's more of an event now rather than a like a regular thing does that make sense totally so you know it's from a video standpoint it's much better to do one video with rick you know in week one another video we say i think matt fry another create week two yeah another video with eric anders landing week three and like split it throughout all the different creators and then you can come up with some different ideas as well so you know there's there's so many people out there to film with and so many different angles to take you know it's just spreading the filming load around and by, by the way this isn't me talking this is this is like the guys who can't board to help me like, <laughs> you know I, I'm, I'm just parroting back what they've said to you yeah um but yeah matt still mates still hang out with them also i heard so, we'll you, definitely get some videos done soon i heard you had a fight outside of weatherspoons mm. <laughs> yeah but that ended amicably so <laughs> do you have a rivalry with each other on like views and stuff do you do you because i would i definitely would think i would have that or are you quite laid back over that sort of stuff oh, that's crikey, crikey if it's a rivalry at the moment then i'm not winning it <laughs> <laughs> oh my word um not really no yeah. I, I mean the thing is with with rick i look at rick and i see what he's done and i i see kind of like an opportunity you yeah. know he's now over it's almost i think he's almost approaching a million and a half subscribers and you know all the stuff he's doing on social media as well you know i see that and i think wow you know that's something to kind of really aspire to and it also shows that there is this massive audience for golf out there it's just finding them it's it's seeing what content they actually like to watch and also at the same time kind of sticking true to the types of videos that you want to make yeah because you know, not, not so much in golf, but I'm thinking of kind of other genres here. You do see people make videos and it's almost like they're making those videos to just get views. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like it's authentic. You know, it doesn't feel like it's content that they want to make. And that's something which I'm pretty keen to stay away from. You know, I don't, I don't, those views are important because at the end of the day, that now pays the wages of my staff. Yes. <laughs> which, you know, couple of years ago i didn't think i'd be saying um but if you stay true to your own message and you make videos that you still enjoy then those views should come as a result of that and that's always a tough thing to stick to but it's something that we're pretty adamant on doing 
And one final question. Hear me. Stroke play. You versus him. Who wins? Me. Of course. There's, there's, there's not a doubt about that, Tom. Come on now. <laughs> let's let's get serious. I thought this was a serious <laughs> podcast. I thought I thought the questions here would be hard hitting. <laughs> Straight to the point. Um, yeah. I, it, it, to be fair, like he's a, he's a decent player. He's definitely a confidence player, though. He gets in your head. Uh, he, no, he gets in his own head. Oh, okay. Like if he if he starts with a bad hole, that's him done for the day. Right. If he starts with a good hole, like he'll have a good round. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot of golfers like that. But I think I think this year it'd be amazing to try and do something where all the biggest golf creators actually get together. I'd love and, to like, see have that. A game. That'd be absolutely amazing. Obviously, it's going to be difficult um, with everything that's going on. But if something like that could be organised, that'd be brilliant. It'd be so cool. And uh, Peter, before I let you go, I just want. I've got two more questions for you. A lot of people listening will be mid-handicap golfers like myself. I play off 14. Um, what's your advice to someone like me who wants to get better and better quickly? What's the quick wins? When was the last time you had a lesson? I've never had a golf lesson. Well, well bloody hell, Tom. <laughs> that's, that's the first place to start. Okay. Oh, my word. You know what? You're like one of those people who gets ill and the first thing to do, shall I go see a doctor? No, I'm going to go on Google. <laughs> that is and my problem. I, and I'm going to see what symptoms I have. Oh, look at this. I have anal cancer or whatever. <laughs> whatever again. is the top. <laughs> God, second time this month <laughs> or whatever the top. You just get like, if you are struggling with your golf and you do want to get into it, just go see a pro. Like go see an expert <laughs> before anything else because that because that's the first thing like they could see your swing and say actually you know you only need to tweak this little thing and that could be revolutionary just the smallest change so don't uh don't try and fix yourself you know go see a pro 100 percent. okay i'll take but that. not me though i've seen you swing and it's, it's way too much <laughs> to take on right now you're, you're far too busy now Far too I can't. I, I, I took a look at your swing and it made me want to quit golf. So don't don't come see me. At that point, uh, Peter Finch, thank you so much for joining me on the Dangerous Dinners podcast. The roulette wheel picked kebabs for you. How was it? Rate it out of 10, please. Absolutely amazing, yeah. I mean, the packaging alone was an absolute winner. Like a matte black bag oh. and inside was a box and inside the box is the kebab. It was glorious, actually. Um, so you'd rate it highly. Mm. Oh, what, out of stars, number, what do you want? Out of 10. Eight and a half. Wow, it's a big which, rating. Which, which for a kebab, when I'm not actually drunk, like that's a high mark. That is high, man. That's really high. Um, and I will make a good food critic. Everything's 10 out of 10 for me. It was an absolute pleasure. And the only thing we need to take from this, ladies and gentlemen, is Peter Finch would destroy Rick Shields around the golf course. Thank you so much, <laughs> Peter. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Cheers, Tom. Thanks for having me, mate. Oh, yum. got some in my mouth. Very nice. Did you enjoy that? Was that all right? I feel like it might have been a little bit golf heavy at times for the, for you normal listeners who listen every single week and enjoy people like Tom Grennan and Tom Walker and Ella Rare. A little bit different to that, I suppose, isn't it? Um, yeah, he was good, though. I really feel I really enjoyed him. So thank you so much, Peter Finch. Um, 
to give a bit of an insight, we're obviously doing this live from the Lake District, and my girlfriend and my dog have just walked back into the house from a little lovely little walk. Anyway, we are T-minus a few hours. Turtle! She's over there. We are T-minus a few hours until we do our special Lake District episode, um, so you'll know about that in a few weeks. But thank you for listening. As always, five-star reviews if you enjoyed it. And I'll be back same time next time for another edition of the Dangerous Dinners podcast. Mom deserves the best. And there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.